Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Well, one of the things I love about Crosslands, and I hope you love this too, is you just never know what you're going to see or what you're going to do. You didn't, you didn't come here today know you were going to see dogs surfing on a surfboard, right? You just don't know. You don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, so it is with that in mind that I thought we'd start our time together talking about time travel. All right? Now, if you got to go back in time and witness something historical, what would it be? I want you to really be thinking about that. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you a little bit of time in a sec to tell somebody. What would it be if you could go back to a moment in history and get to watch? I mean, maybe for some of you, you'd say, I'd want to go back to get to watch the signing of the Declaration of Independence, something like that. All right. Or how many of you have been watching the Olympics? Maybe you want to go back to the very first games. And, and did they have skateboarding back then? They did not. Uh, or maybe you want to go, maybe if you appreciate art, you want to go see Michelangelo put the last touches on sculpting the David. What would that be? So right now, uh, we'll turn the house lights up just a little bit and just turn to somebody next to you. Tell them what historical moment would you want to go back to and just watch for a second. Go ahead and do that now. All right, well, hopefully you came up with some great ideas and kind of be, you know, kind of thinking about that. Sometimes when I imagine what it would be to go back in time to something like that, I imagine just kind of being a fly on the wall with all of the realization that this is a significant moment. Because in real life, moments happen and you don't know that they're going to be historically significant, right? But you could sit there and you could watch Having said that, though, if you ever did get to time travel, would you want to just sit there and watch? I mean, don't you kind of want to, like, insert yourself in some way? Because that's the fun part, right? However, that's also the problem. Because what we all learned in Back to the Future from Doc Brown is you can't change anything. It will change the course of history. Don't change anything. So you got to be careful. But... Changing something kind of seems like the best reason to go back in time, if you ask me. If I could go back in time to my former self, I would go back to the fall of 1982 when I was in fourth grade and I took this school picture. <coughs> now, what's happening here, there's a few problems. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the dress other than to say that I also had a red one. I liked it so much. I had two. But what I want to talk about is the expression on my face. What's happening here is that I was about two weeks away from getting contacts. I wore glasses, and I knew that if I left my glasses on during the picture, that by the time we got our pictures, you know, six weeks later, I wouldn't look like that anymore because I was free of my glasses, and now I wear contacts. Problem is, my eyes were very bad. Um, by the time I was into my 20s, I had a negative 11 prescription. It was bad. I, I literally couldn't even see the E. Okay, that's how bad it was. So by the time I was this old, it was already progressing pretty bad. And for those of you that have poor vision, something weird happens when you take off your glasses and you can't see. You lose control of your face. <laughs> and so... Where I thought I was like bright-eyed and bright-smiled, 
I really just look dazed and confused, as you can see. And so I really regret that. I want to go back and just coach her on how to take a better picture, right? Now, for mo the, question, the question that I have for you then, because this is just one of many regrets, if you could go back in time and fix something that you wish you had done differently, what would it be? I mean, for most of us, it, it doesn't really take a lot of time as we think about a question like that to get past like the superficial things, the terrible outfits we wore as middle schoolers, and, and really get to kind of the deeper regrets that really matter, right? The lie that spun out of control, uh, the bad investment that we made, the person that we shouldn't have trusted, the time that we quit a little too soon. And ideally, what we would like to do is go back in time and fix the things that cause us regret. But I don't know if you know this, sadly, time travel is not available yet. So you can't really do that. And so since we can't undo what we've done, it's, we often just don't even want to think about it, right? Like why think about the past? Why hold on to those regrets? You can't do anything about them anyway. But what I, I want to encourage you to do is could you just let a past regret kind of come into your mind right now? Think for a second about something that you've done, uh, something that you wish you did differently, something that caused you regret. Uh, it might be a regret you've been holding on for a long time or, or maybe something more recent. And, and I want you to be thinking about that. And I want you to actually feel a little bit of that regret as a way to receive what we're talking about today. Because while we can't go back in time and change the thing that we did, there is something that we can do today that will help us prevent future regrets. There is a practice that if we applied it, we could help prevent the regrets that we might have tomorrow. And this feeling that you're having right now, and I thank you for being willing to go there, this feeling that you're having right now, it could be a feeling that you experience less and less because of what we're talking about today. Now, we know that regrets come in all different shapes and sizes. Here's just a few different categories of regrets. Maybe your regret that you're thinking about falls into one of these. Um, sometimes our regrets come from a money decision. Uh, this is anything where our money or more often our lack of money, get us into trouble. This is the car that we drive but we can't afford. Uh, it also might be smaller purchases that seem insignificant, but then they pile up into credit card debt. It might be just one bad money move you made that you're still paying for, literally. Um, other regrets have more to do with relationships. Right? It's, it's that kind of manipulative friend that you can't seem to shake. Uh, it's the jealous, significant other that you have. It's, it's when there's things in a relationship that should kind of give you pause, like should be a little bit of a red flag, but for whatever reason, you ignore it and you keep going. Other regrets can be tied to bad habits. And I don't probably have to explain a lot of this. We understand bad habits. This is the stuff that we do again and again, and almost always, or always, it causes problems. 
Okay, those are just a few examples of the kinds of regret that you might be thinking of. Um, and, and maybe you thought of something else that doesn't fit into any of these. Maybe in our video that we had earlier, you heard some regrets that are similar to regrets that you have in your own life. The truth about regrets is there are endless amount of ways that we can screw up. Regrets are fun, aren't they? I mean, there's so many different ways we can live them out, so much variety, just it's a fun game, one after another, so many ways. Every regret, every story of regret that you have is unique, and I want you to be thinking about that. And besides knowing the types of regret, there's something else really critical that we need to understand and acknowledge if we're going to be preventing the future regrets. And it is this, that it all goes back to decisions. Every regret that you have can be traced back to a decision or a choice. So what if you could stop? right there, if you could stop time, right when you are about to move forward on what might be a bad decision, and before you go any further, you could do something right in that moment that would make for fewer regrets. I mean, if you had one thing that you could do right at that point of decision that would make all the difference between you going down a wise road and going down a regret road, I mean, you would probably do it, right? You would at least consider doing it. It's the same thing in us that wants to go back to our former selves and like shake them and knock some sense into them and say, don't do that. So of course, if there was one thing we could do to fix this problem, we would want to do it. Well, there is one thing that you can do. And it's going to sound simple, but don't be fooled into thinking that it's not powerful. Are you ready? The thing that you can do is ask yourself some questions. Now, I warned you, it's going to sound too simple. Uh, stick with me here. You'll kind of see how it plays out. See, the right questions at the right time can make all the difference. Um, anyone who has been in counseling knows that the best counselors are the ones that ask good questions because they want you to be thinking for yourself about what makes sense for you. How do you think about this? What's a healthy choice for you? They know that they're, you're going to be way more successful doing what you have determined to do because you've thought it through as opposed to them just telling you what to do. You are way more likely to follow through on something you came up with. And so their job is to guide you to that by asking good questions. And so what we're going to do is we are going to become our own good counselor. And we're going to ask good questions before we move forward in a decision. And if we can honestly answer those questions, we can change the trajectory of the kinds of decisions we were making. We can make better decisions and you will have fewer regrets. And that's what this whole new series is all about, five questions for fewer regrets. Some of us on staff read a book by Andy Stanley about regrets, and it caused us to go back to the Bible and dig deep and see what does it teach us about how to make good decisions. And we were so enthralled by it that we felt like it was worth it for us as a church family to spend a few weeks on this idea. And so we're going to do that. Each week, we're going to do one of five questions. And so let's get to our question for today and identify the first of five questions. And I want to do that 
by showing you a story in the Bible. And we're going to go way back, look way back to the time of the Old Testament. And this is a time in Israel's history where it was still Israel and Judah, one but two, who were over, under the control of the Babylonian Empire. And so they had been conquered by the Babylonian Empire, but Israel and Judah, they were still like allowed to have kings. And, and, but the kings, though, because they weren't fully in control, they were a little bit like figureheads. But that's kind of the setting. During that time, the prophet was named Jeremiah. And there was a string of kings that Jeremiah was the spiritual advisor to. And one by one, each of these kings made decisions that became their downfall. So as we look at their stories, we learn something about what it is to make good decisions and why did people make bad ones in the story jeremiah he's the voice of reason and the voice of wisdom but as you're going to see these rulers did not follow his advice and so i'm going to tell you the story of these two kings and their names were jehoiakim can you say jehoiakim and zedekiah say zedekiah Good. And in fact, we are going to tell the story together. I'm going to have you help me. So we're going to kind of like you guys here on this side of the room, whenever I point to you, you're going to say Jehoiakim. All right, let's try that. So good. You guys really nailed it. Way to go. Way to go. Let's try it again. Yeah, good, good. Now, as you can imagine, you guys on this side of the auditorium, you are going to say Zedekiah when I point to you. Let's try it. So good. One more time. So if I point to you guys, you say and if I point to you guys, you say, and if I trick you and I go like that, you say, yeah, you got it. All right, this is good. It's all right. All right, so it all started with a young king named, that's right. Now, as I said, at this time, Israel was controlled by Babylon. And because of that, they had to pay an annual fee to Babylon. It was kind of like paying taxes. And in exchange, Israel got to keep kind of running the country the way that they wanted. Well, our king... Got it. He didn't like that arrangement. And he decided that he wanted to stop paying. Now, just a spoiler alert, this falls in the category of dumb financial decisions. This is what's going to happen here. All right, so Jeremiah, though, he tries to stop him. He says, listen, this is not in the best interest of you or this country. I mean, at least when we pay them, we get to live the way that we want. I mean, do you really think it's wise to rebel against that? Babylon was a huge, mighty empire. Judah was a tiny, unimportant country, all right, in the political world. So, oh, I, yeah, thank you. So, all right, the problem was he was only listening to himself. Plus, he wasn't really living like a good Jewish person, so he didn't really care about how they ran their country. He had already made up his mind. Nobody was going to change it. Nobody could force him to do what he didn't want to do. Not Jeremiah telling him what to do, not Babylon demanding payment. And so he stopped paying. And what happened next, just as Jeremiah predicted, is the king of Babylon, who was named Nebuchadnezzar, let's all say Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, he came in and he struck hard. He invaded Judah, he destroyed the city of Jerusalem. He captured Jehoiakim to live the rest of his days as a prisoner. Now, just a side note, some sources say that Jehoiakim was killed. But either way, whether he was killed or lived in captivity as, uh, for the rest of his life, 
it did not end well for Wright. Okay, now imagine if King Jehoiakim could have stopped and just asked himself one important question that would have changed everything. Okay, are you guys ready for the question? All right, good. Let me finish the story first, though, and then I promise I'll tell you the question. All right, see, Jeremiah's experience with the bad decision-making kings, it did not end with, because a few kings later was King Oh, you remembered. Well, there's a tip right there, but yeah, okay. Right, so King Zedekiah is next. And with Zedekiah, the terrible ideas just kept coming. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 36. He, Zedekiah, did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God, and he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke the word of the Lord. So this king... He gets the same idea as his predecessor. He also wants to be independent from Babylon. He decides he's going to declare his independence. And just like before, the prophet Jeremiah, he tries to warn and tell him that this is not a good idea, that the city is going to get overtaken, that the king and his family are going to be destroyed. And he's like, come on, dude, we saw this happen with the other guy, remember? Can we learn? And Jeremiah does his best to convince, to reconsider. In fact, Jeremiah goes out into the streets and he starts talking to the people. And he starts kind of spreading word of what the king was about to do. And he tells the people, your king is about to make a bad decision and it is not going to end well for you. Well, Zedekiah didn't like that. So he sent his guys out to get Jeremiah and throw him in a dry cistern, which is basically an empty water tank. That's how you shut up a prophet back then. <laughs> and so the king decides to do what he had already decided to do. And then that is when everything that Jeremiah predicted begins to happen. Once again, Babylon's king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes into the city. He, he ravages the city. The people are overcome. They are starving. They are in danger. Now, one little thing happens a little different in Zedekiah's story. There is a small moment where he begins to wonder if this was a good decision. He pauses just for a minute to rethink it. And he kind of has a first wave of regret. And, and so he goes back to Jeremiah and he says, never mind, you were right. Um, could you just pray to God to save us? So you're kind of like, all right, maybe Jeremiah and Zedekiah can salvage this thing. But then Jeremiah says to him, the only option is for you to surrender. Now, I wish I could say to you that Zedekiah was like, good call, Jeremiah. Thank you for helping me not make more of a mess of this. He did not say that. Instead, he was like, nah, I don't really like that idea. And so this is... What happened, Second Chronicles, continuing in chapter 36. The Babylonian army killed their young men with the sword in the sanctuary and did not spare young men or young women, the elderly or the infirm. They carried off to Babylon all the articles of the temple, both large and small, and the treasure of the Lord's temple and the treasure of the king and the officials. They set fire to God's temple, and they broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burned all the palaces and destroyed everything of value there. And then, for anyone who was left, they carried into exile to Babylon the remnant who had survived 
escaped from the sword. It was utter devastation. And as for Zedekiah, well, what he did is he tried to sneak over the wall and escape. But they caught him, and they grabbed him, and then they gathered all of his family. And one by one, the Babylonians made him watch as his children were murdered in front of him. And then they blinded him, so that was the last thing he ever saw. And then they carted him off to Babylon to be a prisoner of King Nebuchadnezzar. So we've got two kings, one prophet, and a lot of destruction, all of which could have been prevented if these kings had been willing to ask one question. And this question is all about integrity. And it gets at the bottom of what is really driving a decision. And so our question for today, the integrity question is this, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest about why I'm making this decision? What are the real underlying reasons of why I'm about to do what I'm about to do? Let's go back to our two kings. Let's think about our two kings who were named. So close, you guys, so close. I mean, it was like, it's like you almost had it. Our two kings named. And, yeah, you guys are second, so it's like you have it easy. You have like a heads up warning, but all right. All right, so we think about those two, like how would their regret stories change if they had stopped to ask themselves, am I being honest with myself? Both of their decisions were about rebelling against Babylon. The first one, Jehoiakim, he decided to not pay taxes anymore as a way to get out from under Babylon. Now, what if he was willing to go a little deeper? And ask, why am I refusing to pay? Is it because it makes me feel weak? Is it because it will make me look bad in front of my people? Is it because it makes me feel powerless? I mean, if he could have answered those questions, he would have understood the real reason why he was making this decision, and he could have reevaluated. Our second king, same situation. He wanted to get out from under Babylon. And what if he asked him what was really underneath? He asked himself, what was really underneath this decision? Why, why am I doing this if I'm honest with myself? What could he have learned? Maybe he would have learned that he's doing it because he likes to be in control. Or maybe because he feels invincible. I mean, imagine if either one of these rulers could have been honest about their motivations, enough for them to pause just a little bit and second-guess this bad decision that they were about to make. I mean, it would have, have avoided a lot of regret, and it would have avoided their own tragic endings, just putting that out there, right? So for me, for you, when we're about to execute a decision, what if we press pause and we're able to be honest with ourselves about what is motivating us? If we did that, it would bring the kind of clarity that frees us up to make healthy decisions instead of ones that are driven by something underneath that we don't really want to look at. So if you're tracking with me, you, you probably think that all sounds good. Yes, yes, we should ask ourselves important questions, of course. We should be more self-aware. We should be more self-reflective. That is a great idea. We are all on board with that. But 
even if we believe it's true, it doesn't mean that we're good at doing it, right? And I would go so far as to say, we will be bad at it. Okay, let's all just say that together. We will be bad at it. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be good at this. And I'm not saying that because I don't believe in you. I'm saying it because here's what you've got to realize. There are two things that all of us have in our way when it comes to being honest with ourselves. When we're trying to ask honestly, why are we making a decision? There are two things that get in our way. So let's talk about those two things. And again, we're going to go back to the Bible for this. While all this was happening with our two kings, and there were actually more in between that were also making bad decisions, during all this time, when Jeremiah was the spiritual advisor, he wrote a verse that probably is familiar to many of you. Here's what it says in Jeremiah 17:9: The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? Now, isn't that an uplifting description of our inner selves? I mean, if you came to church today to feel better about yourself, I'm sorry. There is none of that here today. This prophet, this wise messenger of God, he is making a very perceptive observation. He says, your heart will trick you. And by heart, back then, they didn't mean the place where emotions and feelings reside. It was more about your your will, your decisions, your commitments, your volition. The core of how you move forward in life stems from your heart. And he says that your heart is so bent on gratifying every impulse you have that there is no hope for it. That's how Jeremiah says it anyway. Your heart is so wily, it can fool even you. Even you don't understand it. We can't even understand what's going on in here. Which kind of sounds weird to say, but but if you think about it, I mean, how many times have you rationalized a decision only to later realize it was such a bad decision? But at the time, like you talked yourself into this decision like, oh yeah, I am so confident this is the right decision. I mean, we do that, right? We rationalize. I mean, imagine that you are right now, you're looking to to move. You're looking to buy a house which I'm sorry if you are looking to buy a house in this market right now. I'm sorry for you. But uh, so you're looking to buy a house and you're looking at where you currently live and what's motivating you to want to move. And you're like, you know, the, the yard is too small and there's no dishwasher. And, uh, you know, we need another bedroom. Our family is growing. And so you've been looking. You've been looking at 27 houses. You have made offers on five of them only to be outbid every time you are getting desperate, and then you finally find one, and it's got all the space you're looking for, and you really want it to work. Like you're so tired of house shopping, you want it to work. And so you have a conversation with yourself that goes something like this. I mean, the freeway is right there, and it's very loud, but the yard's really big, so there's that. And the kitchen hasn't been updated, but that means we could design our dream kitchen. How much could that possibly cost? And the neighborhood's a little sketch, but 
a lot of young families are moving in, so I'm sure it's going to turn around. I mean, it's like you're trying to convince yourself that this is a good decision for you because you're just so sick of still being in the decision. And you trick yourself and you can justify and rationalize to yourself that this is a great decision. But I want you to imagine if someone else said those same points of argument to you. Like if your realtor was like, this is a great house for you. Um, the freeway noise will make your backyard virtually unusable. Uh, the 1970s kitchen, well, it's nostalgic, right? And there is a drug dealer two doors down. But otherwise, I mean, you'd be like, uh, no, no, thank you. Next house, please. That's a terrible idea. It would all be very clear if it was someone else saying that same thing to you. But somehow, when it's us telling us, it makes perfect sense. That's how deceitful our own hearts can be. And it's the first reason why the integrity question is hard to answer honestly, because we are good at lying to ourselves. You just turn to someone next to you and say, I am good at lying to myself. Again, we're very uplifting here today. <laughs> Let me just cap it off with a, with a quote from our good friend Brene Brown who puts it this way, our rational grown-up selves are good liars. Our rational grown-up selves are good liars. So we have to be brutally honest with ourselves about what is behind the decision that we're making. And when we ask the, in the integrity question, we have to go one step further to remind us that we really need to be honest. And it really is hard work. We have to say, am I being honest with myself really? Let's say that together. Am I being honest with myself really? And as specific as you can make that question to the decision that you're making, the more success we will have with making better decisions and not being tricked by ourselves. Why am I doing this really? Why am I avoiding him really? Why am I postponing this really? Why did I buy that really? Why did I say yes, really? Why am I moving out, really? When you get to the really, that's when you're able to be honest and give yourself an honest answer. Derek sang that Billy Joel song, Honesty, earlier in the service. It says that honesty is a lonely word. And of course, he's singing about how he wants honesty from other people. But he says, but everyone is so untrue. The honesty that we have with ourselves is not only so important, but it's really the only one we really have any control over. How honest are you willing to be with yourself? Thinking back to our two kings, I mean, there must have been a lot of rationalization going on with them, right? Because logically, it didn't make any sense for them to go up against Babylon. We already said Babylon was way bigger, way more powerful. It didn't make sense. They had to know it was a bad move. They had to know their people would get hurt. God's prophet was telling them not to do it. It seems really obvious to us that they shouldn't have done it. But when you're the one in the decision, if you don't stop and ask honestly, why am I doing it? Bad decisions just get made. It's that simple. 
I mean, we are all one step away from our next bad decision because we're really good at justifying things. And when we do this again and again, it's like muscle memory. It becomes the way we make decisions and we make bad decision after bad decision. Proverbs 29.1, it kind of describes what happens in that case. And it describes what happened with our two kings. Stubborn people who repeatedly refuse to accept correction will suddenly be broken and never recover. This is the trajectory that some of us find ourselves on. Where we don't let anyone talk us out of a bad decision that we've kind of already decided that we're going to do. And it's those very decisions that build up the regret in our life. And when you've done that again and again, it eventually causes so much damage to you, to the people around you, that it is almost impossible to recover from. What the integrity question does is it gives us space to ask ourselves the real reason behind our decision. It makes us stop and ask, why am I doing this? Why am I really doing this? Is it because it is truly the best move or is there something else underneath it? And if we're able to stop tricking ourselves that way, then we can honestly answer the question, am I being honest with myself really? And when you do, you are able to be clear, you are able to make good decisions, healthy decisions, tough decisions, but ones that make for fewer regrets. Now, I told you there were two things that make it hard to be honest with ourselves. And, and here's the other one. When we're brutally honest with ourselves, we don't like what we discover. We don't like what we find. Sometimes when you look really deep underneath your motivations, like it is not attractive. It is not flattering. There is a good chance you are not going to like what you find. In the example of our king, um, the one who stopped paying to Babylon, whose name was? Oh, yeah, you got it. What if he had asked himself, like, why am I really doing this? He might have uncovered something that would have helped him make a better decision. One of the examples I gave earlier is what if he, he said that um, he wanted to do it because he, this made him feel weak when he had to pay to another king and he didn't like that feeling. Well, what if he dug a little bit deeper, like, why does it bother me to feel weak? And then what if he was honest with himself again? And he said, you know, I, I want to feel strong because that's when I'll be respected. And then what if he dug a little deeper? Well, why? Why is it so important that you have respect? You get it? You see how these other things can come to the surface when we're honest. And what happens when we dig like that is we usually find a way that we're compensating. So when you dig deep with the integrity question, you will come face to face with things that you don't like about yourself, but they're true. Like you're not over your ex or you don't like how you look or you care too much what other people think or you're embarrassed about your past or you don't feel loved or you don't feel like you're enough. It's a long list. And it doesn't feel good. So we don't like to go there. It's much easier to just stay in the self-deception, which leads us to a bad decision, which we eventually regret. And then we feel bad about ourselves anyway. 
Like, why not cut it off at the past and be honest and make a good decision and be able to ask, am I being honest with myself? If we can do that, it means that if we can do that, we have to overcome two things. We have to not let our own heart trick us and rationalize and justify And we have to be willing to face something that we don't like about ourselves. So as we close, I want to actually ask you to make a decision. Don't worry, it's a good one. I want you to see if you can decide this. I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. I want to challenge you to make this commitment right now or today or this week. Decide that you will not lie to yourself even when the truth makes you feel bad about yourself. Because if you can do that, you can pivot toward better decisions. Just a few quick examples before we go. Say you're someone who's toying with reaching back out to an ex, you know, the one who's really dysfunctional, that one. And you tell yourself, I'm just checking up to see how they're doing. You know, we're supposed to, we said we'd stay friends. And then you ask yourself, why am I really doing that? And if you were honest, you might come to the truth that it's really because you feel lonely. And when you can recognize that, it, it, It gives you permission and power to make a decision that solves the loneliness problem, not the alternate decision that's not really solving it. You are then freed up to instead make a decision like, you know, I need to be more intentional about my friendships. Or maybe I need to join a small group. Or maybe I just need to start a new hobby so that I'm kind of distracted. And hey, maybe I'll also meet someone that I can have a healthy friendship with. You see the difference there. Or imagine if you are about to buy tickets on an extravagant vacation that you can't afford. And what if right before you hit purchase, you asked yourself, why? Why am I really doing this? Why do I feel the need to do this big, expensive thing that I can't afford? And maybe if you are honest with yourself, you think about it and you realize, well, it's because our family's been in a weird funk lately. And there's a lot of chaos and conflict and maybe if we could all just go away on a nice trip we could just everything will solve itself right that always works and if you were able to realize what the real thing was that was driving you then you can make a decision what is healthy and restorative to your family and yeah maybe it is a vacation but maybe it's one you can afford and maybe it's one that focuses on how we can be rebuilding and reminding ourselves that we really do love each other and sometimes we like each other. These are the decisions that we can make when we free ourselves to be honest. Whatever decision you are in the midst of today, I hope that you will pause and you will ask yourself, am I being honest with myself really? And I hope that you will commit to tell the truth to yourself even at the cost of discovering something that you don't like about yourself. That is how we change the trajectory of regret. And I know that honesty is hard. I think we'd all agree that regret is worse. Would you stand as we pray together?
Father, we come um, humbly with a greater self-awareness of the dark side of us, the side of us that tends toward things that are unhealthy and unproductive. God, we come in our weakness, and we thank you that we are met with your grace and your mercy and your compassion. What a good God you are. God, we believe that you can heal and that you can restore. We believe that you can change the patterns. We believe that you can heal our wounds. So God, I ask for just an extra measure of your grace today as we, as a church body, we try to be honest with the deeper things that you would help us dig in in a healthy way. God, so that we can make a difference for your kingdom because we aren't sabotaging ourselves. God, so that our families can live in their full potential of who you've called them to be. God, we come asking for your help, and we thank you for being a gracious, good God who helps us when we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you next week for question number two.